We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Morning Grind, Roto-Grinders. Dean here. It's not Stevie still. Uh, he's so busy knocking out his NASCAR content. If you guys want his NASCAR content, you know where to get it at rotogrinders.com. That said, today, uh, I guess it's never too early. We're going to kind of preview the restart of the NBA season. We're going to bring in Andy Means. Y'all know him from the premium here at Roto-Grinders. Uh, does his core plays article. You see him on Crunch Time as well. You know him from the Mean Streets podcast. You know, from the NCAA finals. Uh, well, I don't know the finals, but NCAA tournament for sure. Uh, Andy, what's going on, dude? And you just recently knocked out a, an article as well, too. I believe it's a free article just kind of that talks about the, the restart and what we're kind of looking at, at least as of June 2nd or June 1st. These things are fluid. What's going on, Andy? Yeah, um, not much, eh? So I appreciate you having me again. I enjoyed talking to you last time you had me on. And yeah, for the, as, as far as that article goes, like I tried to be as tried to pick as as most important topics as possible like that's one of those things where there's so many moving parts and so many storylines and so many variables in that in the bubble that you could just go on and on about writing it so I tried to at least hone in on on what I thought was somewhat of the most important stuff but yeah I mean I mean as I'm sure you and I will talk about now there's just so much so much drama and so many hypotheticals and so many variables that that are going to go into this thing it's just gonna it's gonna make for good entertainment a and uh, make for fun DFS b yeah, fun is an interesting way of phrasing it because it's going to be wild for sure. And like you're not the fr- you wrote this in your article, and everybody's talking about how uh, you know 16 days, uh, everybody's going to play eight games, uh, more or less. You know, it's four or five games per day. It does vary depending on opening night to two gamer as well. Uh, Utah, New Orleans, LA versus uh, LA. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be like Christmas Day every single day. And from a content perspective, <laughs> from a DFS perspective, it might get a little hairy, it might get a little wild, and you know, we were talking pre-show. Of course, you're going to have the crunch time here at Rudder Runners. We don't know how that's going to work or when that's going to happen. I'm sure you're going to have a court plays article or something of that sort. And we're not sure what kind of reporting we're going to have. <laughs> it's going to be wild. So buckle up, Andy. 
Yeah, like as far as the content goes, I don't. It's we're so far enough out that I don't know what we're gonna do. Uh, and and I hope what I hope happens is that these sites do treat it as Christmas Day slates, where every day every day is the main slate, starting with that first game, and it just goes through on out the rest of the day. So hopefully that's what everyone does. I know DraftKings has theirs up already, and that's what they're doing. So hopefully that's what hopefully that's the pattern we see for those first sixteen seeding games. And as far as content, I'm 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 certainly planning on doing everything we normally do. Um, luckily, I already get up early and try to get core plays done early, so I can. Because like if something's uh, it's a little different when a slate locks at one Eastern as opposed to seven Eastern, so hopefully we can you know get something normal up for people to consume. And then if and if stuff changes, stuff changes. And yeah, like you said, who the heck knows what's going to happen with the reporting, man? Like I don't even know who's going to be a lot in in the bubble as far as reporters. Yeah, uh, like is Woj going to be there? Is Sam's going to be there? Are there going to be beat writers? Like, I don't think so. And, you know, the NBA, of course, the thing in the season, they talked about how they wanted the injury reporting to be better. And, you know, but this is extreme circumstances. And, you know, the other part is, that, again, we're a month out. We're assuming they're going to be playing basketball. Who the hell knows? Just yesterday, uh, Florida, you know, of course, they'll be playing in Orlando in, in the quote-unquote the bubble there in Orlando. 10,000 more COVID cases. But we're working on the assumption that there is going to be basketball. There's no other way to speculate it, I suppose. Uh, and we'll speak in generalities where we talk DFS and, you know, basketball more than any other sport is the domino effect that if this guy's out then this guy all of a sudden becomes more interesting. And, you know, we really shouldn't speculate who's going to be sitting a month from today outside of the guys that are known, I suppose. Otherwise, it's just probably going to be just worthless content in two, maybe two or three days or two or three weeks. And it's DFS. All we care about is today and today only. And, you know, now we can just sort of speculate on what's going to be going down in a month. Yeah, that's the weird thing about it is if anything like that happens is that, Really, what all we care about is when we're analyzing if then scenarios for DFS is player X is DNP. He's not playing. The reason we don't care, um, but this is obviously a different le- level of stuff with how it's affecting the whole world. But if we're just gonna, you know, like zoom in on just what's happening with DFS, like that, if some guy's out, not only is he going to be out for a game, but apparently he's going to be out for a couple weeks and. And as of now, they're saying it doesn't matter if it's the 15th guy or the or LeBron James. So yeah, it's just another thing that we just don't know what's going to happen. I certain I I I'm way more optimistic than probably everybody else. It seems like even like national writers that are in the know in the NBA are so pessimistic of this. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna work. Um, I don't know. I may be in the minority on that one. Okay, you know who's not optimistic is Stephen A. Smith because he's saying these these guys gotta have sex. How else they gonna <laughs> they can't go three months without having sex? So people are gonna be coming in coming out of a. Uh, of the bubble that is uh so um you know I, I, explain to me your optimism i want to be optimistic too and of course you talked about you know we want everybody to be healthy obviously hopefully no, nothing happens and we re- respect the players that are playing understood why some players are not playing uh some guys are pulling up for different reasons too we should kind of sort of get to uh, there was speculation all the sharps andy were saying the nets man you got to play the nets because all this time durant's going to come back Kyrie's going to come back well they're not playing uh you know john jordan's not playing Wilson Chandler, for what it's worth, is not going to be playing. Spencer did what he had the COVID, so maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. I don't think we have news on that just yet. Uh, Dwight Howard is questionable for a variety of reasons, for social reasons, for uh, his uh, one of his sons, his mother just died. Uh, Boogie Cousins, we don't know. Uh, Bertans is coming out because, well, he's 27 years old. He's at two ACLs. He's a free agent in Washington's terrible. Uh, Bradley Beal is questionable. Uh, we know Avery Bradley's out. J.R. Smith is in. Ariza's out. WCS is going to be out. And that's just as of right now. Um, so how do we handle all this? And what do we do with all this news? And well, I, the original question, Andy, uh, I, just, I was just getting some news out there, but explain to me your, your optimism. I, I wish I was as optimistic as you are. 
Uh, a couple of different reasons. Like, I think if nothing else, like, let's just set the landscape of the whole situation is that there's like basically billions of dollars at stake here. So they're going to do whatever they can to make sure this happens. Uh, I think that much is clear and it's okay to admit that like that's a lot of money and there's a lot of people affected. Like it, it makes sense for them to try to make this happen as, in as safe as a way as possible. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, you have Adam Silver running the league and they have been just head and shoulders above every league. You have like uh, Dr. Fauci coming out and saying that this, like he analyzed what the NBA is doing with this. He's on board with it. He thinks it's about, it's as good as you can do. So like, I think from, you have to trust that they're exploring every single avenue and, and tying every loose end up and doing everything possible to make sure this is, this is going to be good to go. And I guess, I mean, I have several other thoughts that probably won't come into my mind now while I'm answering this, but also like I, everyone's out there saying, Oh, you know, this, they got the snitch hotline of like telling on the other players who leave and, <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And like, these players aren't going to stay on the, on the campus, man, they get there's They have a lot of money at stake too. So if, they, and they know, I, I trust that they know, have already been informed, if one guy screws this up in that bubble, it's going to affect the whole bubble. And so, like, I think for the most part, this, and it says, this is all, we're also talking about the playoffs. These guys, I think they can hone in for a couple months. Do, they've, they've already had three or four months off or whatever at this point. They've had their, their off season. Like, they can hone in for a couple months, get their work in, be responsible, and, and they're competing for a championship, you know, for the most part, most of them, like obviously a few teams aren't, but I think when you factor all those things in, I think it's going to work. And also that they're getting, they're already like, we were talking about it before the pod started, but another 25 people have come, uh, it's come out that another 25 players have tested positive since they started the official testing last week. And that's in addition, you know, like the, the Go Bears and the Donovan Mitchells from three months ago. So maybe that's a little bit of a, a, a rude awakening for some of these guys who didn't think it was that big of a deal, who didn't get it or, were treating it lightly and, and ended up did did get it. So I think the fact that all this is happening now is a good thing because then when everyone goes into the bubble, maybe everyone's got their act together, Everyone and then you get the test, everyone's negative at that point, and then if, if the bubble's not infiltrated, everyone it, it should work. It just takes everyone doing their part. Should say uh, 22 teams are in, nine from the east, 13 from the west. Uh, Minnesota's gone. Golden State's chilling. Uh, the Cavs are out. The Hawks, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Bulls, and the Hornets, they are not invited. Uh, it's pretty hilarious that the Wizards are invited, but that's just how bad the east is. The Wizards at 24 and 40. There's nine teams in the east. Eight of those nine teams will make the playoffs. Uh, the Wizards currently six games behind the Magic and the Nets from the win column for what it's worth, uh, five or six, depending on as far as the loss column. And, uh, they might be favored, Dean, if Dinwiddie's out. Well, well, Washington's without Bertans, and Beal might not play. I'm not buying the Beal one. Sorry, he's playing. I'm not buying that. Well, tell me why. You're so confident on this. I'm just not buying it. I don't know. I think he's <laughs> going to play. I, especially now that they have a chance to make the playoffs, unless there's some sort of tankathon reason going on. I just maybe it's a maybe it's like a public relations thing. I don't know. Maybe he he wants to on the fence that he doesn't want to go. I don't know. Just it just out of nowhere it pops up. I don't know. I'm and there's been a lot of trade rumors for Beal for a while, right? Has there been like rumors that Beal's going to be a Laker at some point or who? I, I don't know what his contract situation uh, is. The, but... the, the the latest one is the Nets that they uh, that Jared Allen needs to go and ball out uh, in this bubble now with no DeAndre Jordan so he can raise his trade value. Mm-hmm. So because uh, these two teams are competing for the eight seed is the theory and that they might be swapping players <laughs> come ne- uh, come next regular season. Yeah, and so how that works is basically after the eight games, if the nine team is within four games or less of the eight team, 
they will have a playoff. If the eight team beats the nine team, the eight team makes the playoffs. If the nine team beats the eight team, they got to do it again and beat them twice. Does that sound right? Did I, did I explain that correctly? Yep. That is accurate. Yeah. You obviously want to be in the eight seed when the seeding games are over. So you can just, you only have to win once. If you're the ninth seed though, you have to win twice, which obviously makes it more difficult, but um, it, I don't know the the East. Yeah, I think you. I think you alluded to it. The East. There's only nine teams, so there's only <laughs> there's very few scenarios there. But there's a handful in the in the West, and some of them, like the Kings, are already coming out saying they're not getting any love that they're even getting considered for making a play at that eight seed. So maybe they play with a little chip. If yeah, Fox show, is but... feeling disrespected, like the Sacramento Kings are <laughs> twenty eight and thirty six. Come on, dear. And I think he also said. You see the one who also said that he's gonna be just chilling in his room. He's like, I'm just gonna be in my room. I think that was Fox as well. I think that was Kimba. Am I confusing it, people? I'm not really sure, but yeah, Kim was like, I'm single. Kim said, I'm single and I have no kids, so I'm I'm always used to just chilling. I was like, why? If you're single and you have no kids, I feel like that's the opposite. <laughs> you're probably not always. Stephen A. Smith is uh, perked up. He's like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the East is just. And by the way, one of these teams, the Nets, the Magic, and the Wizards, are playing for the right. Actually, I, I apologize. Two of those three teams will make the playoffs, and one of them, uh, well, they're probably both going to get walloped by either uh, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston, depending on how things go down. The West, uh, much more interesting there, I would suppose, uh, 13 teams. So uh, we're looking at, what, Phoenix at 26. I don't know why Phoenix is invited, but whatever. I guess, do they have to invite Phoenix just so Washington can go? Is that how that works? I don't know. Actually, who knows? That actually might be the main reason. Uh, <laughs> or it, Yeah, I don't know. It might be that they had to invite Washington, so then Phoenix had to come. I don't know. I, yeah. There might have been some algorithm that determined it too. Who knows? And nobody's respecting Phoenix. And for what it's worth, I saw Booker was uh, – I think he was playing uh, – was he with his dad and his brother or something like that? Is that is that correct? Did you read this about Booker? I think so, yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I, I, just, I just heard about that. I didn't see any – I didn't read anything or uh, see any clips about it, though. The most interesting thing here, I would I would think, as far as the eight seed, is uh, Memphis, Portland, uh, New Orleans. I mean, if you want to say Sacramento, you can. They have the same exact record as New Orleans. And Fox is right. I mean, if you want to say disrespect, but, like, nobody thinks Sacramento's got a shot, right? I don't. I don't, and I think it's more – it's less to do with them and more to do with the Pelicans and the Blazers. Like, I think the Blazers should be getting respect. They have two guys coming back who are going to be starting for them. Uh, at least that's what they're saying. They're going to say they're going to start Nurkic and maybe Zach Collins at the four, move Miller to the three. Those are two kind of important players uh, who are, you know, for – you can make the argument, I guess, that that's why they had such a down year compared to last year. Uh, and I think – they have as good a shot at the eight seed as the Pelicans and, and the Grizzlies do. So that's if I'm the Blazers, I would be I would feel you know, they're getting the most amount of disrespect on anybody. The uh the NBA is making it very clear. They're making no bones about it who they want to take that eight spot. Uh the Pelicans, uh the strength of schedule, they have the best strength of schedule amongst these twenty two teams. We'll run it down. And also they're featuring the Pelicans on the very first night. It's a doubleheader. They're facing Utah. Uh, you know, they want Zion, they want Zion to uh, elevate his uh, stature. And I presume they want Zion to take on the Lakers in the first round. Uh, and the schedule they gave, uh, the schedule they gave, I'm pulling it up here on the fly. Opening night versus Utah. No Bogdanovich for Utah for what it's worth. Then against the Clippers. And then they have Memphis, who they uh, might end up being in, a, in a, some sort of a, a battle for that eight spot, you know, down the line. They beat them twice this year for what it's worth. Memphis, the aforementioned Kings twice, Washington, San Antonio, and Orlando. Uh, now, to be fair, New Orleans did have the, I think, one of the best, if not the best, strength of schedule, uh, most favorable schedules when the actual real schedule was going down and the season was canceled. Um, and your your former teammate on your podcast, Reddick, was talking about those guys were excited. They, they, they thought they were going to be, they thought they're going to make it. 
So uh, they believe then, and there's no reason not to believe now. Of course, they added Zion as well, uh, and that New Orleans, you know, New Orleans was a you know well positioned to to take down. Uh, and I think even the betting markets were saying, despite the fact that their record was below, they were going to close strong. Uh, the NBA wants New Orleans in there. Is New Orleans going to get in there? I think so. Uh, there, it's not as likely as everyone seems to think. I would say just because they have two good teams that at least from what we just talked about, two good teams that they're going to compete with that spot for. Um, it's not nearly as a certain certainty as everyone thinks so. Um, what I will say about the Zion thing is, if you recall, the Pelicans were also on opening night of the very beginning of the season in October, even though he got he had gotten hurt. Yeah. So the Zion thing's been a thing before the, the Pelicans were even threatening for an eight seed or anything. They've always – Zion's already been a name before he even played an NBA game to the point where they put him on freaking opening night. So – that he's going to be a draw no matter what. Um, and yeah, like you said about their schedule, I'm almost certain that the NBA even said this themselves, that they, they are trying their best to keep everyone's schedules as they were when, if we were just going to have the normal regular season. So the fact that they got the, the easiest remaining schedule shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. That's, they should be, they should be yeah. uh, given that right based on what the other uh, the rest of their games were, were going to look like. So the conspiracy theorists are loving that one, but it shouldn't really surprise anybody. If you want to further the conspiracy, uh, Memphis <laughs> has the fifth hardest strength of schedule, and Portland <laughs> has the sixth hardest strength of schedule for what it's worth. Well, Just... that would add to it. I would have to. I can't. I can't speak on though. I don't know what their. I don't. I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't know what their schedules look like. This is according to like something I found on, on Twitter and like I didn't do the math. I mean, I just presume this is correct. And I saw a couple people tweeting it out. So, uh, you know, and, and, and maybe they had hard schedules going down the stretch, like you said, like you alluded to, like maybe that was the case. I can't tell you that, but uh, I just, it feels like, uh, but again, it's, it is only fair if they had a bunch of cupcakes down the stretch and maybe they had like the bulls and the bulls are gone. Maybe they had the hornets and the hornets are gone. So you yeah. got to give them uh, whatever cupcakes are, are left standing, I suppose. Um. So I think the one of the most important things is going to be is motivation, obviously. It's hard to sort of project it from now, but if you look at the standings, first of all, like you were talking about this in your article, and this is a great point, like Milwaukee got screwed. Their home field is – there's no more home field, home, home court, I guess I should be saying. Uh, yeah, so Milwaukee, there's seven games up on Toronto. Um, it doesn't matter what they are versus the West. Who cares? I just think Giannis is going to be worthless uh, from, from a DFS perspective in these eight games. Like he's going to play 25, maybe 28 minutes. He might get rested a couple games. What is Milwaukee's motivation to play anybody? Yeah. So Outside of getting in shape. I, I, I'm going to try to talk this one through and it's going to sound like I'm just like chasing my tail. Cause there's just so many ways this can go like certain forks in the road. So on the one hand, like, let's just treat this as if this was a normal regular season and they have this huge lead going in to the end of the regular season, you know, we see them sit, they'll sit guys every now and then just completely out of games. Other games will still, still get their run in, but maybe a few minutes below normal. This is so different than what we're used to mm-hmm. that these guys just are going to, this is going to be what at that point, what's that three and that is that going to be four and a half months by the time this starts uh, when they actually play a, a game to a real game, I think four and a half months. Am I wrong on that? My math wrong? No, that sounds about right. Be, yeah. Four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. So this is just, this is, that's longer than an off season, a normal off season. And then not even that, they're going into games that are just like, I mean, they'll have these, these eight seeding games, but then you're going right into playoffs. So part of me wants to say, okay, Milwaukee, you're six and a half games up on Toronto. You're, you're basically a, a mathematical certainty to get the one seed in the East. Like you said, the overall one seed doesn't matter because there's no home court, home court advantage. So part of me wants to say, there's just no way these guys are going to play meaningful minutes. These games don't matter. You don't want to get guys hurt. 
But the playoffs are so soon now, and these guys are coming off such a long break that it's not like you can just snap your fingers and get Giannis ready to play 38 minutes, 39 minutes like he plays in playoffs normally. Like he's got to get ramped up a little bit at least. Like even if it's like the first five or six games, I could easily see them playing him like getting him up above 30. Like he's got to get like what he averaged 31 in the season. Like he's got to at least know what it feels like to play 35, 36, 40 minutes because he's got to get his body ready for that. But then on the flip side of that, the his first round opponent's going to be the Magic or the Wizards. <laughs> or like, so like then he's like, well, I got a whole other series yeah, basically. Yeah, like, I see it too. I mean, so there's so many ways this can go that may like teams like Milwaukee may have a little longer runway to get their players ramped up. Um, you know, who the Lakers could possibly play. I don't know. Those are going to be a little tougher matchups, I'd say, uh, for their for their eight seed possibility uh, for games like Portland or Memphis or New Orleans. So maybe they don't have as long a runway as Memphis, or as Milwaukee. So there's just so many ways this can go. you got to kind of read the tea leaves of what coaches are saying. Like I think Stotts, for instance, like I know this is a completely different than Milwaukee or the Lakers, but Stotts, the Trailblazers coach said, yeah. I'm treating this. I'm treating these eight games like a playoff, like or like the playoffs already, as far as rotation. So, like, I think Dame's going to play like what he did in the regular season, where he averaged like 36 minutes, but in competitive games he's playing like four, 39 or 40. So you could be counting on that uh, right from the get go for Portland. Yeah, Stotts confirmed wire for what it's worth. Like he's, he's one. <laughs> That's of, true. He's one. Yeah, of the you more... mean the guy who said he's going to start Whiteside and Nurkic together as a liar? <laughs> but I do agree. Uh, like from a just generally speaking, the teams that like Portland, the team like a team like Memphis, a team like New Orleans, their minutes are almost definitely going to be more reliable game to game than a team like Milwaukee. And that's the thing with Giannis. Are we going to see him uh, play 33 minutes and then sit? Are we going to see him play 22, then 26, then 28? That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. And we just don't know, right? And who's going to report it? And what? What if, like <laughs> what if they're the 9:30 game? What if they're the 9:30 game? And then they, oh, it's going to be a nightmare, man. Two words, Andy. Showdown. <laughs> show, the showdown. Yeah. Two words for you, Dean. Late swap. <laughs> well, that that's the tricky part, right? Like, in, it's so I don't know if it's too early to talk about that, but it's like there's we always talk about backloading. Backloading is a great strategy. You want to backload because you never know what what might happen. But how about frontloading and say you somehow kind of sort of knew that Lillard yeah. is in the first game and he's he's going to play forty minutes. There's value in that now, right? You would think so. Um, we're gonna like we're gonna know so much more after each game, and and after each day, and after each game. Like, I want to know who's there as far as reporters. <laughs> a, I want to know are they even gonna do this injury report again? I would assume so. They have the official injury report that are at three different times of the day. Now it's probably gonna be three different times of the day because games are at different times. Uh, we'll we'll know who's reporting news. We'll know if teams have beat writers there. All of this stuff's gonna come out eventually. But this like these things are like of the least of the worries of the NBA is like what reporter is going to be there. I, I'm sure it's yeah. on their radar. They obviously want to get, get as much coverage as possible. That's within reason as far as health concerns, but those things are going to come out down the line. And like, we're still, we're still 28 days away from when we're recording this, from when the first game, it's like, we're literally exactly four weeks out. Just think of how much more we're going to know in the next four weeks than what we know right now. It's just insane. There's something we learn every day. You think it's going to be like a what is it like NBA game night or sometimes they have, they call the games from like the NBA studio or like old school people Andres Cantor or like the soccer announcer would call the games like from a studio the World Cup games are there going to be like is there a broadcast booth or what, what do you think I'm just curious from a broadcast perspective is there announcers there they're not calling five I, games in a row like I'm see, pretty like, sure yeah I'm pretty sure I saw that come out nothing official that they're going to be doing that remotely. 
Okay. That just seems like a non-essential thing. If you can have someone announced it non-remote, I think that is something that's another body you can take out of the bubble. But man, then you would also, if that, if that's the argument, then is a reporter necessary to be in the bubble? So, yeah, but, but for what the thing I did see about the reporters is, and that this is also, I don't think this has been confirmed by the lady or anything, but I think they're saying, Mr. Reporter, sir, or, or ma'am, if you want to go into the bubble, you have to stay in the bubble like the players. Um, cause there's, and there's also like tiers to the amount of, uh, security, not security, but as far as the testing and like what yeah. level of, I quote it for lack of a better word, health you have to go under, uh, like the players and everyone who's in, in contact with the players, obviously level one, but then there's, you know, another layer behind that as far as maybe like, I don't know, probably league personnel or then another tier below that as far as like Disney personnel, I think. So I don't know, maybe reporters can come in and out, but there was definitely an article I saw that the, the, if the reporters want to go, they have to plan on being bubbled like everyone else. Yeah, I was. I saw something where if you if you're there and you want to leave the bubble, you can leave the bubble, but you can't come back for ten days. Yeah, uh, for what it's worth. So sense. once you're in, you're in essentially. Uh, also, this has nothing to do with DFS, but I'm. I really hope this could be one of the great like uh, silver linings, I guess, of it. Uh, I really hope that they, we hear a lot of trash talking, and they're they're talking about the possibility of putting the games on delay for trash talking mm-hmm. for like a sensor button. Come on. Like, I'm not sure if you watch the Jordan no, – I'm sure you watch the Jordan documentary. Yeah, if you like, give us TVMA on the Jordan doc, you better give us TVMA on these games. That'll be amazing, right? Like, and who's the guy you want to hear like, talk, talk trash the most? Like, who's, who's, like, the guy you'd love to hear? You know, because there's not any noise going on. You're going to hear it, right? You're going to hear the, the, the sneakers. Um, I have the answer to that. I don't know if that was a rhetorical question. I have the answer to that, and it's going to blow your mind. Is it Joe Ingles? Yes, it is Joe Ingles. <laughs> Yes, he's like everyone says he's like the most low key, biggest trash talker out there, and he has an Australian accent. Like, there's that just I would be cracking up at everything he said. Hey, got me, mate. Take this jumper in your eye, mate. (laughs) That was the worst. Another strip on the Barbie over here. (laughs) I would, I'd like to hear LeBron, but I I think Angles is a great answer, too. I'd love to hear LeBron out there. Uh, speaking of LeBron and the Lakers, uh, I I believe I, I saw a note as far as their coach talking about. Uh, they're going to be cautious. I can't remember exactly how they framed it. You probably saw mm-hmm. this as well. And again, the Lakers are five games up on the Clippers in the win column, six games up on the loss column. LeBron, you know, one of the older statesmen in the league. Uh, there's really no reason to push these guys. And LeBron earlier in the season talked about resting. And he said, uh, he, he said like, look, I want to play every single game. I think he basically, I, I don't have any games I've left. He also talked about the fans. And so like, you know, I want to be able to play because I, I feel bad for the one fan who shows up for the one game with me and I'm not, I'm not going to be there. And, Guess what? There's no fans there. Also, these games don't really matter for the Lakers. Uh, LeBron and Davis. And the other part is, of course, they're thinking three months from now. They're not thinking today uh, as far as the eight-game stretch. They know that they're, they're thinking about you know the long game. We're going to see LeBron and Davis sit at least one, if not two games. Like that, That's sort of my projection. Do you not think that as well? Yeah, I would think so. Um, man, that's a tough one, too. Like, if there's, you said LeBron's like the elder statesman of the league, but is there anybody in this whole group of NBA players that you would expect to just come in more ready to play 38 minutes of NBA basketball than that dude? hundred like, percent. He's, he's ready. That's just, that's like, he's a, he's, he's a superhuman. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like that's, those are the kind of quotes I want to be looking out for though. You're right. Like hearing him say that puts my antennas up a little on them in general. So like, if it's the first that I guess they're on that first night. So like that two game slate on at, what is it? Pelicans, Jazz, Lakers, Clippers. Like maybe I'm a little more interested in Clippers than Lakers. If you kind of get a read that maybe he wants to keep those AD and LeBron at like high twenties minutes or something. 
So that's just, I mean, that's obviously speculation four weeks out, but that's stuff we're going to have to look for. Um, I think, I think these, I think these coaches are going to have to treat the first couple of games pretty seriously. I don't think they're going to, because they want to know what they have within their players. Like they obviously are going to have inner squad, uh, three inner squad games with people, with teams that are in their hotels. So that'll give them a little bit of a look, but real game conditions, these games count. I think these coaches are going to want to know what they have. So at least the first couple of games, I think they're going to try to do normal rotations, try to get everybody back into the groove. And then as we, as each game goes by, and to clarify, I don't think everyone's just going to come out and play normal minutes the first, first couple of games because they're not going to yeah. be ready. But I think as, as each game passes out of what do we have, 88 games in the 16 seeding games, we're going to know something more. A record's going to change. Um, a player's going to get hurt. A player's going to leave. Seeding's going to change. So we're just going to learn more with each game. So it's always going to be like kind of a sliding scale of this stuff. So I, yeah, but I guess I'll answer your ultimate question about the Lakers. That they are one I'm concerned about just because their coach kind of danced around it a little bit. And that's the information we have. And that's what we're looking for ultimately. Yeah, uh, I feel good about the De- D'Antoni. You know, he always he sweeps the leg, man. Uh, he's oh, he's yeah. up by 28 points in the fourth quarter with three minutes to go. And then finally, he's like, I guess I'll take Harden out. Uh, and also, Houston is jockeying for position. They're in the sixth spot right now. They're tied with OKC at 40 and 24. Uh, Denver's at 43 and 22. Theoretically, they can jump up to the three. I don't know. Again, the home, home, home court not being a thing doesn't make that as important, I suppose. But maybe you're thinking second round, third, you know, third round matchups, things like that. Uh, Utah is ahead of them, and Utah lost Bogdanovich, and I feel like, you know, of course, they're going to take a hit. Uh, long story short, like, I feel so much better about a guy like Harden than a guy like Giannis, the way I referenced it. Yes. Like, uh, you know, who knows game to game, but just a general thought. Like, Harden's going to play this 38 minutes just because. And I want to – like, I feel like Mac D'Antoni just had the worst blowout possible come back to bite him. Like, he was up 30. He's like, oh, we're good. I'm going <laughs> to take my guys out here. I'm not going to play them in the fourth quarter. And then they had, like – he gave up the greatest comeback in basketball history. Like <laughs> I, for some reason, he just does not think the game's over until basically the last time out the three minute mark in the fourth quarter. And that's when he starts thinking about taking his guys out. And we absolutely love that as DFS players. And I completely agree with you. And I'll throw Westbrook into the, into that mix too, because of how much better he played the past couple months. So those guys and Harden's going to play more minutes than Westbrook usually. So yeah, I will always put the, I will always default to those guys. If I'm ever unsure of, of coaches motivations about a player's minutes and we got plenty of studs to pick from out of these 22 teams there is nothing wrong with defaulting to rockets i'm curious i have no idea how this is going to go maybe you have a thought on it uh we know capella got traded away tucker was playing some five obviously for houston there in their small ball they did sign everyone's uh, everyone's third favorite cameroonian luke richard and Mamute. um of course you know the first two power and the power rankings well this is i should speak for everybody but uh, Embiid and uh, Pascal Siakam, so like it's really hard. He's on the podium, uh, nonetheless. Uh, is he going to play, or is he just there just because they, they're signing a body? Do we have any idea? That's a good question. I'd have to go back and look at. Um, <laughs> I'd have to go back and look at their roster because I know they got they obviously not obviously, but they did wave they have Tyson uh, hard Chandler, but I don't think he's playing. Yeah, so they're they're down bodies, and they don't. They're just going to be playing small anyways. He might. Like I'd have, I don't even, I'd have to go back and look and see even when the last time he played like <laughs> meaningful minutes. So not, not, but actually that reminds me of something else. Not to, uh, not to skate around your question, which I just did very go professionally, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was a gotcha Portland question. Trail, someone, 
uh, the, the, someone made a great point, and I don't remember who said it, but I could not agree more about the Portland Trailblazer guy, the guys that we alluded to earlier, Zach Collins and Nurkic. It might have been Dane who said it, honestly, or McCollum might have said it, <laughs> is that they're, he's, they're way less worried about them having rust or whatever coming back because everyone else has the same thing. Everyone else has been off for all this time, and it's not like these guys are coming back in February after the, the rest of the league's been playing, you know, what, 50 games or whatever. So these guys are, you know, Nurkic is a little different case because he's been off for a lot longer. But these guys are the, – the margin for error is a lot – a lot uh, the gap – I guess the gap between them and the other players is, is much smaller than it normally would be in a normal scenario. I totally forgot that Nurkic was going to be coming. He had a broken leg or something. I think it was a broken leg, so at least it looked like that. So, I mean, it was his leg, I'm pretty sure. And he's a big dude, obviously. Almost like a 300-pounder. Um yeah, that Collins and Nurkic's coming back. They have Carmelo. What a weird lineup Portland has. I just forgot this was like a team that existed. I'm telling you, Dean, Portland, man. Don't sleep on Portland. Uh, and just Memphis is three games up. So, But I, I think they have the worst team amongst the Portland and New Orleans, at least as, as things stands right now. Is that kind of where you're at as well? Uh, yeah, I think so. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm with you on that one. Uh. How about some guys that are in, guys that are out, anything that we're kind of monitoring? We talked about Bertans being out. Beal, you think, is going to play. Who knows? McCray, of course, is no longer there either. Bogdanovich is out, which might elevate Joe. Our boy Joe Jingles might get some more uh, more time out there to talk some smack. Uh, Avery Bradley's out. J.R. Smith is in. Uh, anything else that we're kind of sort of monitoring? Jared Allen, of course, for, for the Nets. We suspect we'll uh, get uh, as much run as he can handle or however long it takes to get him six fouls. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that last little nugget. You dropped it in. Uh, honestly, of all those names you rattled off, I think that's the most important one just because I am not going to pretend to know what's going into the heads of the Brooklyn old coach or now new coach. I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on in the heads of their front office. But for whatever reason, they found it necessary to play those two guys. And by those two guys, I mean Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, basically the same amount of minutes. And even – and even toward the – when the NBA went on hiatus, they are even giving DeAndre more burn in. From what I recall, he kind of earned it a little bit too. But we know Jared Allen is a very good per-minute guy, and it's always the minutes. Like he just could not get up above those low 20s because Jordan was there this year. And yeah. another thing that we need to remember um, that I don't know if everyone's going to think about because uh, everyone's going to be so intent on playing Jared Allen – but if we look at last year's last year's numbers, the Nets were terrible against centers. That was because Jared Allen was getting way more minutes and was the you know the the guy at the five for them. So Jordan's helps you know stem that a little bit. But I think taking back to taking centers against the Nets is going to be a thing in this uh, in this Orlando bubble. Uh, I'm seeing a note here that uh, Ricky Rubio says he expects to play less than his normal minutes allotted. Uh, there for Phoenix, basically no shot to make the playoffs. And that's the other thing. You talk about the first couple games, and and these are things we'll figure out along the way. But as it, it progresses and Phoenix has like three games left, we're going to see just the wildest rotations out there for Phoenix. And, and other teams do. Washington presumably as well. Uh, well, maybe. We'll see. Uh, we're just going to see some weird things like the Spurs. The Spurs are – we didn't mention the Spurs, but they're playing basketball. There's uh, a reason – we're going to see some 12, 13-man rotations out of the Spurs. Uh, and Milwaukee, we're talking about Milwaukee, they were doing that during the regular season. They were playing 11, 12-man rotations on the reg. Uh, everybody gets their, you know, 28 minutes or whatever it may be, depending on. Uh, but w- w- what situation, or is there one specific, or you have sort of like a general thought 
uh, obviously pay close attention to rotations and things of that sort. Uh, one thing I want to pay close attention to is Memphis because Justice Winslow is going to be playing now. <laughs> and he did not play a single game for them after the trade because of his injury. And I don't know how he's going to fit in. I don't know if he – my head says I don't think it's going to affect John Moran at all, like negatively, because, like, obviously Justice did some point guard duties in Miami. I don't think that is – I don't – they'd be foolish to take the, the ball out of Jaws' hands. So I don't think it's going to affect him. But how's it going to affect Jaron Jackson? You know, how's it going to affect, you know, Dylan Brooks' minutes? He plays, like, you know, 30s minutes or mid-30s minutes. So – and and how's it going to take away from guys' usage and assist rates and rebound rates and stuff? So – that's the one I really don't like because it's hard to predict. Like, so a lot of these situations, yeah, we're coming off three or, you know, four and a half months of, we don't know what's going on, but the guy, they're the same roster, the same coaches, the same front office. We just stopped for four and a half months. But with Memphis, they have a guy who's not played a single minute for them. Who's suddenly playing. Um, even with Portland, we Nurkic played for them last year. So like, there's like, that's why the Memphis situation, if you can get that right, I think you can kind of, uh, I guess I would say get an edge over the field if you can get that right and stay away from popular ways that might come up if so-and-so is really underpriced and becomes chalky and he's 60% and you're like, and you just, and you get the Memphis situation, right? Maybe you could pass a bunch of the field that way. So that's the one I'm, I'm kind of going to be honing in on the first couple of games. Yeah. Uh, if Demi doesn't, Demi doesn't go for Brooklyn, of course, all of a sudden Levert will be really popular as well. And sure. I was listening to Gallagher's podcast and he was talking about, I, he was, I think he was talking about Chioza versus Tyler Johnson potentially getting some run. And uh, the coach indicated that Tyler Johnson wasn't exactly there just yet. At least this is as of, you know, and again, we're still a month away and who knows how situations change, but maybe Chris Chioza can be a guy if he's like a super cheap and get some run. But there's some ifs there. There's a lot of ifs. And who really knows how things are going to go down. And again, as the games progress, as we're at game seven, game eight, as teams are sort of locked in their spots. And again, you know, uh, I think there is some something to be said for no fans. So, like, you're not disappointing anybody by not playing certain stars. And I feel like that's going to have a, an effect on how uh, who's sitting, who's resting in game seven, game eight, things of that sort. Uh, do you want to take a look at the odds as far as a Vegas perspective? Because it's really interesting uh, as far as the team futures. The Lakers, I don't agree with this. Just I don't think the Lakers and the Clippers should be very far apart. Uh the Lakers are currently plus 240. The Clippers are plus two, uh, 333. The Bucks are plus 250. And the Clippers are a much deeper team than the Lakers. So the Lakers, you can make the argument if they lose LeBron or they lose Davis for multiple reasons, uh, forget it. I think forget it. Maybe forget it. Most likely forget it just because the rest of their team is just not very good. The Clippers, in theory, could sustain if, like, you know, Paul George went down, I think. I, I don't know. I don't agree with that number. Maybe, maybe you're you're uh, you're thinking differently than me. But the Lakers at plus two forty and the Clippers plus three thirty three. I feel like that should be very close to like the same. I agree with you, Dean. I like the Clippers better. Uh, I think the Lakers do not have unless unless LeBron unless you're counting LeBron. I do not think the Lakers have guys that can match up with the Clippers' best players. Um, and Avery Bradley's out, sure, maybe Danny Green, but I think everyone, it's clear to everyone that he's kind of lost a step, at least as an individual defender. Yeah. So if you're putting LeBron on Kawhi or LeBron on Paul George, yeah, it's good. That, what's that going to do to him on the other end of the floor? So um, I, I like I, – I agree with you. And your depth your depth point makes a lot of sense too. So I'm trying not to get in the habit of, like, making those kinds of predictions of, like, if you're going to make bets, but it matters. So, like, if <laughs> – if you're getting better odds on the Clippers, I think I'm, I'm on board with you on that one. I kind of mentioned in my article, I don't think 
Uh, I, I just I really have a hard time believing that anyone else besides the Bucks, Clippers, or Lakers are going to win this thing unless you know shit gets weird. <laughs> like if uh, well, in a regular yeah. simulation, in a regular simulation, yeah. that's just how it works. Like the, the best teams in basketball win seven game series almost all sure. the time. Essentially, this ain't but regular, right? <laughs> there's a bunch of intangibles and a bunch of unknowns, yeah. and we can't protect. We don't know and embrace yeah. the unknown. And you can argue one of the teams that had the biggest the biggest benefactors, one of the bigger benefactors of this break was the 76ers uh, who got Simmons mm-hmm. back and they're 28 to one. And at the beginning of the season, I don't know what the odds are, and I'm sure it was better than 28 to one or lower than 28 to one. And they've had a quote unquote disappointing regular season, but the regular season in basketball doesn't really matter a heck of a lot. Just stay, stay healthy and kind of sort of peak at the end. And I don't know if Simmons has been working on his threes. I have no idea. Uh, in theory, I guess he can hit them, but he still just refuses to shoot for whatever reason. <laughs> but if a team does beat Milwaukee, I mean, I guess Boston could. I don't think Miami can. It might be a 30 to 1 in Philadelphia, 28 to 1. That's ridiculous. Philadelphia has a distinctly better chance of winning the title, in, in my opinion, than Miami's got like no shot. Come on. Here's where this is another thing where I feel like I'm going to be chasing my tail because I believe the 76ers are probably, you can make easily make the case, and I probably would agree with whoever makes that case, that the Sixers have the best chance of knocking off Milwaukee. Just the way they matched up with them. Yeah. They played them well. They have two guys who can guard Giannis uh, out on the perimeter a little bit and obviously meet him at the rim. But I also think they don't match up that great with other teams. So, like, I think Toronto would beat them uh, in, a, in a series. So, like, it, that's another thing. Where, where's the seeding going to lie? We were talking about how the seeds don't matter for home court anymore, but now the seeds suddenly do matter for, oh, I want to get this. I want to be at the sixth seed instead of the four or five because if I'm the sixth seed, <laughs> I don't have to meet Milwaukee until the conference finals as opposed to the second round. Uh, so this little stuff like that's going to factor in too. But yeah, I, and another thing you didn't mention about the Sixers is their uh, home home road splits of, as far as their record. <laughs> so like they, they can win a freaking game on their own. Now they're, I mean, is this technically a road How game? How are they in Orlando? Were they good in Orlando <laughs> or were they bad in Orlando? <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, again, I'm going to drop Gallagher's podcast again, but he was making the point, or he was he was either talking about his podcast or he was on Maddox's podcast as well. But um, he was saying there might be some, in, a, in its weird sort of simulation, there might be some advantage to playing the best teams early. Like, who knows what Milwaukee's going to be in round one? Like, they haven't got their legs just yet. They're still adjusting the new situations. Who knows what they're coming out of individually? Uh, maybe there's an advantage. If you're going to play them anyway – you know, why not play Milwaukee in round one? Maybe that's an advantage. I We don't know, but it's just an interesting thought, I thought. I would rather – I would try to avoid them as much as possible. <laughs> that's my take. <laughs> well, if you keep winning, you're eventually you're going to run into them here in the East. Maybe not, though. Maybe someone else will beat them. I suppose. <laughs> By the way, I just pulled this up in the fly. I didn't realize there was odds on this. You can, uh, DK Sportsbook has odds. This is interesting. This is surprising, actually, to me. Uh, for the eighth seed. Uh, who's going to win the eighth seed in the Western Conference, right? Uh, Memphis is the clear favorite here. Uh, now, I don't know. I, yeah, I assume who's going to get the eighth seed. They're minus 143, a team to be the number eight seed in the Western Conference. Memphis minus 143. New Orleans plus 300. Portland plus 400. What am I missing here? Well, I think you're missing the fact that Memphis is almost certainly going to be the eighth seed bef- when the seeding games end. Yeah. That's so the point. that the, they're they're so much more likely than all those other teams to actually be in the play-in game. That that's probably why their odds are higher. Those other teams are fighting with other teams to get the ninth seed. So they that I think that's probably what the, draws the odds a little lower. Yeah, basically Memphis in theory, unless they completely plummet and go like one and seven or like zero oh and eight or something like that. Uh, if they go two and six, maybe New Orleans has to run the table or something like that or come close to yeah. it. But in theory, Memphis essentially would just have to win one of two games, most likely exactly. between New Orleans and Portland at the end. 
Yeah, they're like eighty or ninety percent to be in a play playing game if it even happens. So yeah, that they're then that and as like and I think that's even as the eight seed. So yeah, that's why uh, that's why that is, that's why their odds are so good. Do you want to be ambitious and pick a winner who's going to win this whole bad boy? The whole thing. Yeah. What's the matchup? My God. I mean, it's super chalky to say like Milwaukee and one of the LA teams, but like that's kind of where we're at. Can I say Milwaukee and Los Angeles or no? <laughs> you can, but the, the viewers will be judging you. I mean, the listeners will be like, oh, I'll wait go a Milwaukee. I'll go Milwaukee and Clippers. I, I just, unless something weird happens, I really just can't see Milwaukee losing. I really can't. And I'm sorry, in the, in, in the East, I, can, I just can't see them getting beat by anyone in the East unless something weird happens as far as people, you know, not playing. Um, so I'll take them in the East and I'll go Clippers in the, in the West. And I think, Oh man, let me think that one through real quick on the fly here. Um, you got like a, a dark horse team, maybe a team that's like you throw a dart at, uh, according to the sports book and maybe you can hedge out or something like that. Miami 30 to one Denver's 25 to one. We didn't talk about Denver and Jokic spelt looking Jokic. Uh, of course he had the, the COVID as well too. Um, but we, I presume, we presume it'll be a month later and he'll be most, I mean, who knows? It's case by case and body by body, but uh, I, we, we're assuming he's going to be okay. And MPJ may get un- un- unleashed. Uh, Coach Malone talks about the prospect of him actually playing. Oh, let's give him a few minutes. Sure, why not? Uh, your thoughts on Denver? Uh, I don't, I didn't really like them anyways, uh, pre-COVID for Jokic. Uh, so, the fact that he's felt now is not going to cancel that out for me. So I just didn't, I just don't, I would have picked most teams that they would face in a potential playoff round to beat them anyways. So I don't, I definitely don't think I don't like them as a long shot, although they do have really good odds. Last I looked, they're like, I don't know, plus 2,600 or something to win it yeah, all. If I recall. Yeah. Something like that. So I would, if I, I would pick some the, someone in the East just because, it's an easier route out if somehow either you or another team gets past Milwaukee and then you're in the finals. And then at that point you can sure hedge it out that way Hedge life, or just or ride with it. Yeah. So I don't know. I would pick, it's tough. It's tough for me so far out to say that because it, it's such a cop out to say, but so much of this depends on matchups, man. Like where you're seated in the, in the bracket, who you, if you can avoid Milwaukee or if, if, uh, if Boston can, avoid uh if boston can avoid miami or something like that there's just so many ways out of it but obviously the odds change every day so that's why you kind of have to make a pick this far out so i'll give you my answer would be i will go toronto as my long one 22 to 1 for what it's worth as far as the raptors currently in the dk sportsbook and for what it's worth i was talking to uh, nicole valencia who works uh, behind the scenes here at rg and she's a denver fan and she made the point she's kind of throwing out like maybe Spelt Jokic is a bad thing. Like a lot of his mm-hmm. game is like he takes advantage of the fact Holy he's got ball. this size. And I was like, you know what? That's interesting. It's, that's that's a reasonable point. And maybe it actually could hurt him uh, from a board perspective. But uh, yeah, it's not like he's going to be beating everyone down the court now because he's yeah. skinnier. Like he's so slow <laughs> as molasses. So like, I, don't, I, I think I tend to agree with that line of thinking. I was like, yeah, that's actually that's actually a good point. Yeah, maybe just from a conditioning perspective, I suppose. Like you said, like he's not going to be chasing anybody down anyway. So. Uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be wild. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. I want to hear some trash talking. I want to hear Joe Jingles. I want to hear LeBron. It's going to be good times for sure. Uh, Andy closing thoughts before we step aside and get out of here and uh, tell the people your socials where they can find you to like good stuff. Yeah. Uh, closing thoughts are, this is going to be wild, man. Um, 
even just leading up to it with what what's going to happen, who's going to get sick, who's going to go, who's not going to go. Uh, it's just there's something new every day, which is kind of like that with the NBA all year. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. And as far as content, I'm hoping we do crunch time as normal, which I'm almost certainly will be. And then if, if we can do that, like during the before the first game of the day, let's say there's a one o'clock Eastern game, we'll do crunch time at like 1230, hopefully get your NBA sweat in. Then MLB will come on later. Hopefully do a crunch time then. So hopefully all the sites uh, uh, accommodate us in that regard, because that would be a great schedule for, for content and for everyone out there who wants to consume the content. So hopefully that's what happens, and I'll, I'll be doing the core plays and expert survey and stuff as usual. And then if you want to hit me up on Twitter, I'm A-Meansy, A-M-E-A-N-S-Y. And I'm always in Discord, too, if anybody wants to hit me up there. And I'm guessing the Discord NBA channel is going to start popping here soon, because uh, it was in, when we were in the in the thick of it, for the season, the regular season, you know, a couple months ago, that, that channel was, that channel was humming, man. There's tons of people in there and that's the place to be. Much thanks for coming on here, Andy. Andy, and it's worth noting, you have the DFS guide to the NBA restart uh, in Orlando. I believe that's a free article right now on RG. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you guys can go ahead and check that out. That was Andy means we're talking NBA. Cannot wait. It's going to be a fun 16 days. I was Dean. This was the morning grind. We're out of here. Holler. Holler.